This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com. As our good friend John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. I highly encourage you to check out this great tool, this great training aid that uh, you're finding in bullpens and practice fields all over the country these days. Um, big league bullpens, little league bullpens. I, I used to say all the time that we used to see Jaeger bands start popping up in bullpens all over the country. Uh, if you don't have a rope trainer in your bag or in your player's bag, uh, you really are missing out on the newest uh, tool for helping and address this young arm problem that we have out there or older arm problem that we have out there. Again, if John Smoltz is going to talk, I'm going to listen. You're talking about a guy that's very passionate, that has taken the time uh, to um, taking the time to address this when he really doesn't have to. It's very important to him. I'm going to pay attention. He's not going to put his name on something very lightly. I highly encourage you to go to theropetrainer.com and get educated today. Uh, really happy to have you guys back with us this week. I hope you've been enjoying this, uh, this, these latest shows where my, my, my great co-host, and let me introduce him, Spiker Helms. How's it going, everybody? And myself have been kind of just talking back and forth over some topics that we know that everyday youth baseball people are dealing with. Um, today will be the third one in that kind of that installment. I don't know if we'll come up with a catchy name for this series or not. But, um, you know, as we always say, we try to sometimes bring in guests. Other times it's just he and I having a conversation because we want you to feel like you're part of this conversation. And we hope each and every week that you're joining in and, uh, and being a part of it. And let me tell you how you can do that. First off, we would ask you to go to youthbaseballtalk.com. It's where you'll find the podcast. It's also the easiest way to subscribe to the show. It is completely free. The only thing is you'll get a notification letting you know when the show is available for you to listen to at your leisure. Uh, there's also some great videos, things like that on there. We're also committed to enhancing the website and adding more and more videos so that you guys, uh, have one place to go and find some great content, especially from some of our uh, contributors that we have each and every week. Uh, social media is where it's at. Uh, if you're not involved, you're behind. I encourage you to get involved as if you want to become educated in this game, get involved in your social media for us. We're asking you find us on Twitter at podcast baseball. If you like us, our account, if you follow us on Twitter and you are a baseball person, we are going to follow you back because we want to know what you're thinking. We want to talk about these topics that have you upset, that have you befuddled, that have you asking questions. That's the only way for us to know is for you guys to get engaged. So follow us on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Facebook, same way, Youth Baseball Talk. Like our page. Help us. Help us help you. Spread our message. When you see something from us, share it. Like it. Help us reach all these people. The only way we're ever going to get some answers to some of these questions that we all have, including Spiker and myself, is if we talk about them. We actually are looking for people to contact us back and say, you guys are crazy, and let me tell you why. I did what you said, and this is what happened. Or have you thought about this? Or I'm friends with this guy, and he's really smart, and he's a doctor, and he said, you know, that whole thing. We love that. We want to have those conversations. Check us out, Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook. Like our page, share our stuff, contact us through there. Easy thing to do, email us, jim at youthbaseballtalk.com. Special thanks. Couldn't do the show without the support of everybody at lineupmedia.fm, the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. 
you're listening to us, that means you like podcasts, I guarantee you'll find another one on there worth your entertainment time. They take it very serious. Okay, let me officially welcome in now my good friend and your co-host, Spiker Holmes. I was getting ready for the show, and I was looking at um, an interview by Eric Thames. If you guys don't know who that is, Milwaukee Brewers. I think everybody knows who he is now, uh, right? 30-year-old guy that's just lighting the world on fire right now. Um, I expect him to continue that. But he was talking in this interview about the process and how he approaches every single day and his execution of the process. So I'm, I'm ready for this show. Well, you know, if you've followed the show at all from its inception or, or lately, especially since Spiker's come on board and I've had somebody that I consider and really have a nice back and forth with on a consistent basis, you know, Spiker has a very important role within a quality organization where he's uh, not saddled. You are entrusted with development of players, really, and finding a way to develop all players, not just the best players. Mm-hmm. Um, you've heard me mention on this show many times that if you go through this youth process and the whole point of this show is to help you avoid some of the, God, pardon my language, but some of the shit show that goes on. Okay. If you're, if you're trying to get away with that, um, if if you're, if you're trying to get away from that, that's what we're trying to help you with. So if we're going to do that, we need to address some of the pink elephants in the room that seem to plague the game. One of the things that in my time that I saw a lot, and I know Spiker sees because, you know, when you run an organization like Spiker does with the quality that he has, you're never going to have teams that are all great teams. You have teams that play at different levels. Well, everybody, even though they play at different levels, they all want their kid to be really, really good. So what you wind up seeing is you, you run into kids that are just naturally better than everybody else. And then you start trying to figure out, well, what are they doing that I'm not doing? And I don't want to get left behind. So I need to do this. So you kind of get outside your comfort zone and do a lot of things that may not be right for you. But let's talk about that situation because I think it's one of the, one of the more common things that cause a lot of problems within the game of baseball. And surprisingly, when I say this, I'm going to elaborate a little bit because I want you to understand And when we were talking about this, it's basically this. It's success at an early age versus committing to a process to get better. Now, I want you to hear hear this when I say this. Nobody is saying that a kid that is very good at 10, you should have him stop what he's doing because he's too good. That's not what I meant. What I meant was, and this is where I see the problem, and Spiker and I kind of had a little talk about this off air, so I'm interested to get his takes. Very commonly, we see kids at 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, sometimes 14, even 15. We see them dominate because they are physically imposing compared to 99% of the other kids at that age. Some people dismiss it sometimes as, well, he's just big. And other people go the other way and think he's going to be a major leaguer because at 12 he's hitting home runs and he's dominating and he's throwing 70 and blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of cautionary tales with these kids that when they show up to high school or maybe they have a decent, and then it just doesn't work out for them and nobody can seem to figure out why. And I'll be honest with you, that shocks me because I don't think the why is that hard. The why, I mean, explain a little bit further. Like, Okay, yeah, okay, okay, so let me elaborate. I don't think the why is that hard to figure out if you paid attention. Okay. And what I mean by that is it goes back to our initial thing. What was the process like? Let me tell you what I see too often. And then Spiker, I really want your thoughts on this because I, you know, you are very well respected in what you do. So I want your, I, I'm going to give you a scenario after I tell you this, this description I'm going to give you is a question for you. Cause I want you to tell me what, what you would do. And if I'm crazy, 
I've played against numerous teams over the years that had big, strong, mature kids on it. And that kid did dominate the game. He could hit the ball harder and farther than everybody else. It Typically, those kids pitch. Sometimes they play short, second, center field. A lot of times, if they're really big and lumbering, maybe they're – but my point is the two things that dominate the most at a youth age game is what? Pitching and hitting. Number two thing. Two things, hands down. Okay? We know that. Typically, these big, physical kids can do both. The problem is, are they doing them correctly? Are they just physically imposing people? Now, what I see that happens is this big kid crushes baseballs and throws them 70 miles an hour, but they do them so fundamentally incorrectly, and I never see anybody say anything to them. So I ask you, while that kid is having some success and while that kid is doing well, are you doing him any favors by not saying, hey, and I'm going to give you an example there's a very good player, and you know who he is. I'm, you know, and congratulations to him. Uh, and the, his parents will tell you this was a real conversation. Drake Westcott's his name. He's, he, he's phenomenal. Okay, he's yeah. a freshman in high school. He is six three two forty. Yeah. I remember we went down to baseball youth and okay. we said, yes. "Watch out for this kid." And yeah, like, it was amazing. Was, about yeah, you thought it was crazy. Yeah, I was like, "There's no way this kid's going to be hit home runs," and he literally hit yeah. home runs. <laughs> okay. Um. He just and congratulations to him as a freshman in high school. He has committed to Louisville, the number two baseball program in the country. Okay, he just went to Pro Player Stadium a few months ago and was hitting balls in the upper deck. I mean, it's sickening. Okay, it's like a Blaze Jordan. Basically. Yeah, it's uh, basically that's what he is. Yes. And all of you that don't know who Blaze Jordan is, he's a guy that went to the Power Showcase and just put on a show at um, Ranger Stadium. I think he went to Tampa Bay too. No, that, I think that was Bryce Harper. But anyways. You know, he hits a bunch of home runs. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, and you know, and listen, it's just, you know, you sit here and watch him and you just think, holy cow, what is the ceiling for this kid? You know, it's amazing. Just amazing. I'm actually very good friends with his parents um, and congratulations to them as well. Great people. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation. His parents will tell you that this is an absolute true story. I had him when he was eight years old. Uh, my son was a year younger that was playing up and I, that's when I started my team. My intention was to have Logan stay with that team, but he physically just did not grow, not even a centimeter, and did not put on a pound. In fact, I think he lost weight between seven and eight. So I wound up forming the team that I stayed with continually with his own age. Did you try to get him on the stretching board? Well, I was going to no, I was gonna put him on the, the swing set like Bobby Brady, see if that would stretch oh, him yeah. out. And I tried to sneak protein. No, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> um, but the, the, it was hard to leave that team because it was really good. I mean, I had some really – in that team, I had some bigger, stronger athletes like, you know, like, like these kids. And I had Drake. And at eight years old, it was pitching machine, and Drake murdered the baseball, if you can imagine, at eight years old. And what I saw was a kid that – I mean, I literally got in trouble once or twice sitting on my bucket and looking out there. And, if, and depending on where you're at in the country and how you do this, at eight you around here, you have ten players on the field, including a pitcher – that there is a circle around the machine and the pitcher has to have one foot in the circle. Well, I can't tell you the number of times that Drake came up to bat and some little kid, and I mean a lot of times they would put a little kid in that circle to, to hide him because these guys got to win, right? So they're not. And I would say, hey, why don't you move back to the back of the circle and get, don't you talk to my player? Uh, it happened more times than I care to know, okay, than to tell you. Was it almost to a point where, like, like he would hit line drives, the kids, and that would rip their gloves off when he was eight years old, and he did. I mean, it was, it was a, it was, it was quite fascinating to be honest with you. To get a point to where you were actually scared behind the screen. Yeah, 
I mean, it, it, you know, and I would tell people, look, I'm not being a jerk. We're not being cocky, but I'm telling you, can you please tell your pitcher to, to, to back up? I, I mean, think about it. That pitcher's 40 feet away, and they'd have their foot in a circle, no mask, no helmet, no nothing, and this kid's literally hitting balls out of, at eight years old, you know how you go, you never know what kind of field you're going to show up on. Every now and again, you'd show up at like a girl softball field or something yeah. at eight, and he's hitting balls out 225 at eight years old. Oh, okay. So, but his parents will tell you, we had a conversation the very first winter when we, we started hitting like in January, right? Um, you know, he murdered, you know, he, he hit, he hit, he hit. I start working with him a little bit and I'm trying, I'm messing with him on something. And his parents come to me and say, and this is when I'm becoming friends with them. They say to me, they say, noticed you were doing something. And I said, yeah. And they said, you know, uh, he's, you know, this has been going on a couple of weeks. He's struggling with it at home. I said, what do you mean? Well, you know, he wants to do this, but you're telling me he's got to do this. And I said, okay. It was very polite. Believe me, they're nice, nicest people in the world. They said, well, you know, he has, you know, he, he, he hits the crap out of the ball. What, what are you changing him for? And I said, I'm not changing him. I'm trying to help him. I said, I'm going to ask you a question right now. Do you want him to hit the ball now or when he's 16? Because while I'm, I said, I promise you, all I'm really doing is talking to him about something very simple. It's just a bat path issue. He's big. He swings around the baseball. I want him to work on a proper bat path. That's it. Something he can easily. This isn't a big deal. That's all it is. And they were like, oh, okay. Okay, but that's my point. Here's a kid that, you know, I, 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 I never, I've never kept stats. I couldn't even tell you how many home runs, how many base hits he got. I, I wouldn't even begin to try to have that conversation with you, but here's a kid, and I'm not trying to say I'm perfect, but I think sometimes you have to have the conversation. You have to say, hey, look, I, I know you're doing really well right now, but you're doing really well because you are just so much more physically blessed than everybody at this age. You need to look at what you're doing. Would you say I don't think that happens about a lot. Would you say that's false success because well, he's so much bigger than everybody well, else? Well, here's the deal. Here's what I will well, say. And then I'm, uh, Here, ahead, okay, ahead, well, here's what I'll say on that. I don't know that you can say for sure because you can't predict the future. So I have no idea of knowing if in two years, if I let it go for two years and in two years – we realized, just like with this kid, what wound up happening to him was it was a tough decision for them, but they were baseball all the way. Mm-hmm. And he was obviously an elite hitter, no doubt about it, right? They came to me after I was gone because I stayed and said, you know, we're really struggling with this. We really want to stay with with our local team. But, you know, they don't do it like almost year. You know, he wants – so we have an opportunity to go play on a prospects team that travels and does all this stuff, and that's what he wants to do. And I'm like, listen – you got to do what you want to do, you know. So my point on that is, is you have no idea of knowing if in a couple of years, if the kid is going to go out and get some real quality. And when, and quality doesn't necessarily mean what the name on the shirt is, but somebody that's going to say, hey, we need to work on these things. You never know that. My point is, if you don't start it somewhere, then yes, it might be false success. And I do think that that's a great term. I do think that's the exact reason why you see some kids dominate as kids and they get up there and they can't do it. I do believe in that. Would you recommend a kid that is physically built to play up? You know what? I've always had my things about playing up. Uh, I think I thought about it too much probably when I was younger. I don't know that it really matters. What I would say is this. But if he's bigger than everybody Well, well here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. I think every situation's different. Okay? My son was a play down. Okay? He was a 13. I mentioned to you a couple shows ago that I had for one year, I had a real true play down. I mean, a big, 
mature kid that could do it all, and he was a play down. The other play down on my team was my son. Now, I, I've kind of half explained to you in this one that he wasn't very big. He was physically and a little bit mentally too immature compared to the other kids. And I always wondered if him playing down was going to hurt him. Okay, but I've watched it happen with other kids too, and I think you have to look at your situation. I knew this to be true. I knew at 13U playing AAA major from 54 feet that we were going to see kids throwing 70 to 75 consistently. Or he could go play 14U with one of the local teams and go face kids throwing 65 to 70 from 60 feet. So I knew right away then he was getting he was taking at bats in real quality situations. I also knew the way we coached. I knew the how we taught. So I really didn't think it mattered. Now, does that apply to everybody? No, it does not. So I think you have to look at your situation. The, the simple answer to your question is this. If you were going to ask me if I was to give anybody advice, I would say this. If your kid physically and mentally can handle it, and he is by far the best player at his age group in his division, then, yeah, you can play him up, and it's not an issue. Why not? I would say the mental part is going to be the biggest one. Well, sure, because what happens when you get bigger? You start having big boy problems that have big boy consequences and big boy r- problem. They, they creep in, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you, you've, if you're not mentally prepared to handle, I mean, let's face it, boys become little bits of trouble the older they get and they all start doing goofy things is your kid mentally prepared to handle that that that's one thing with the rawlings tigers at the high school level if we see a guy um and if, if it's a late a late add-in when we say late add-in um tryouts have already happened and we had some injuries and then we try out some more guys to to see if there's a good fit there if we have a guy that's 16 and our 17u roster is open we might we might give him a shot at that if his mentality's there. Right. It's all about that mentality for us. If we can see that mentality and it's there and he can really really persevere through the struggles, we're going to give him that shot. Yeah, you know, I think also you start getting into situations where talent level, ability and things like that really I'm not even going to say creep in. They become what it's all about. I mean, think about high school. I mean, the kid we just mentioned is a starting first baseman on a very, I mean, Edwardsville High School is traditionally a very good high school program, not only locally, but in the state of Illinois. I mean, if you play varsity baseball in Edwardsville, O'Fallon, some of these other schools, you're a good baseball player. I mean, that's it. If you play, I'm not talking about being on the team. I'm talking about if you play, if you start, you're you're a baseball player. This kid's starting as a freshman, which is not very common. Not very common at all. Do you know where he's batting in the order? Oh, where do you think he's batting? Three. He's batting fourth. Fourth, okay. I can tell you right now what he's doing if you want to know. He's hitting like 468 with seven home runs and leading the team in RBIs as a freshman. Okay, so mentally he obviously is a little bit stronger than some people may have given him credit for, if that makes sense, because I think people all wonder, can a freshman start? I don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean is I would say – if you've ever watched him hit, that would have been the only thing anybody would have said is could he handle playing varsity baseball mentally? The only, and I don't mean mentally like there's something wrong with him. What I mean is you know how hard the game gets. We've talked about approach on the last couple shows, right? We've yeah. talked about it. So um, for a kid to be able to mentally do that. Now, so, so to your point, you brought up the program. Well, he happens to play for the St. Louis Pirates, and I do know as a 14, 15-year-old kid, he played some oh, he 17. Played, he, he played 17. He played he yeah. Played I remember I remember Drake, I when I talked to him, he's like, yeah, I might be playing up for the Pirates. I'm like, no way. Yeah. And I didn't doubt it. I was like, right. that's a great decision. Right. That's a great decision. 
Yeah. I, I, and again, he would qualify as one year. If I'm not mistaken, and I don't have any facts in front of me, but I know, like, I think last year they took him down to the big deal in the fall. And was it Jupiter or Fort Myers or wherever it is? Yeah, the and, perfect game. And let me tell you something. He, you know, he, he didn't go down there and light that thing up. He, he, for the first time in his life, every kid out there was 91, 92, exploding sliders, breaking pitches. And you know what? And let me tell you, that's, that's right. That's and, the best thing that's right. for him. Right. Because most now see, there's where you get into: Will a kid go down there and crumble, or will he go? Okay, time to turn it up a notch here. Time to really now we get into okay, approach. What am I looking for? That's where that growth process starts, and obviously he's handling it just fine. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big student on studying different athletes across different sports. Um, Steve Prefontaine, do you know that name? Yes, I've seen the movie new, numerous times. Oh, and unbelievable yeah. runner. Yeah. Like if you watch actual YouTube videos of Steve running, you're like, how in the heck is this guy just outrunning everybody? And and one and in that movie um, about Steve, he ends up going to the Olympics and then gets completely destroyed in the Olympics. Yeah. And he actually crumbled. And then the the whole storyline is basically him coming back. I think it's a good thing when an athlete is challenged, and it, you really see okay, is this this is a moment of developing the character. And if you can get the character going, and you get the talent, and you get the physical specimen, he's he's lights out. He's gonna win. Yeah, and again, he's an example of what I'm talking about. Okay, he he would be an example in the positive sense, obviously, than what I had talked about. Um, you know, will you? Will you allow a kid to just go out there and dominate? Or are we going to work on it? And what are we going to do? Um, he obviously <laughs> went the other route and spent a lot of time. I, 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 my guess, I, I, I would be amiss to make up a number of how many baseballs he's probably hit in a cage over the year, out on a field, or, or done something. But um, massive amount. Well, yes, to go to someone and say I need to be better when I'm already really good is what we're talking about here. And that's LeBron James. If you look at LeBron James' story and how he, he approached basketball, he's the same way. Steph Curry, same way. Success happens because you you do. You work at it. Well, and again, so, 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 okay, so let's backtrack now because not everybody's Drake. Okay? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, well, that's how it works, right? Not everybody's Drake. So let's go back now to the large percentage of the kids that we've all seen the cautionary tales that dominated at 10, 11, 12. And let's talk about the things that did happen to these poor kids. And I do say poor kids because sometimes it is absolutely because they were overused. Um, what are the pitfalls? Well, traditionally, if you're young and you throw hard and you're big, you're going to pitch a lot. Is that a great idea? Well, I think you can pitch. And I think you can pitch a lot as long as it's handled correctly. Um you know, uh, can't tell you the number of times over the years I saw a kid throw a complete game and catch the next game or catch a whole game. You know, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I can't tell you the number of times at 10 and 11 years old I saw kids throw 50% curveballs. How does how does a parent deal with that? Like, well, you, do, I, you don't, you don't want to be that parent that is always hounding the coach. Like, I understand that, that side of it. But at the beginning, his career is going to be short-lived. Like, how do you walk that fine line of being that crazy parent to smart parent? Well, how about this? I don't know. Okay, I see where you're going. So there's a right way and a wrong way to handle everything in life, right? Mm -hmm. I would say a little, 
respect is the first thing, no matter who you're talking to, whether you like the coach or not. you got to respect the fact that he's the coach. I mean, I think I like Mike Matheny when he said uh, the coach is right even when he's wrong. I like that. It's a good thing to go by. Um, but uh, you're, you're a parent, so you're concerned for the well-being of your kid. Now, there's a time and place to question lots of things. When is that time and place? What do I always say on here? Before you commit to doing anything, you better research your situation because once you've committed, then you owe your respect and commitment. Very simple. Very simple to do. Don't commit to a guy who does this, and then when he does it, ask him why. (laughs) It's very simple. Now, the real problem in that comes in, and I'm not going to try to assess every little situation out there, but I will assure you that the majority of the time that problem stems from somebody wanting to wear a certain jersey and play for a certain person before understanding what that jersey is all about and who that person really is. If you do your research and open your eyes on that and get out of the win and loss column, get out of the perception column, I think you're going to have a lot of success. We had a lot of people over the years that wanted to play baseball for us, and that was a compliment to not myself, the group I had, the people that were involved in it. Your parents and your players. And when they couldn't play for us, not because, and I say this, listen, I I had to say this because if I had a tryout and I took the 10 or 11 best kids, your kid be in it. But then I'd be cutting a kid that I'm not doing that to. It's that simple. Okay, so no disrespect. The inevitable Next question was, okay, then what do you recommend? And I would say, well, let me give you a piece of advice. Pay more attention to who you play for than what than, than the name you play for. Go out, if you want my advice, go out and find the best coach you can find to play for. Now, withstanding how old are you, how important is it for you to play with your friends, da-da-da-da-da, but don't put yourself in a bad situation and then question the situation. It's that simple, okay? You have options. <laughs> There's tons. You're knee-deep in it. It, 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 it. Look at your own option. If somebody doesn't like you, there's somewhere for them to go. Yeah. So you have options, but research those options. Ask yourself, what am I doing? Do I want my kid to be the best player in the world at 10, or do I want him to have a real opportunity to play at the next level? And I always say this, whatever that is. For some people, the next level is middle school ball. For some people, it's high school. For some people, it may be college, and for a select few, it may be minor league or pro baseball. That next level, for any kid that wants to strive to get there, takes work, takes effort, takes training, takes uh, a little bit of luck, takes a little bit of God-given ability. How do you get there? Do you get there by saying, I'm going to go play for this best team, I'm the biggest, baddest kid on the block, and you're not going to tell me what to do? which happens a lot, and don't think it doesn't because I've watched it. I've watched 13-year-old kids that have no idea how to swing a baseball bat the proper way, that have no idea how to, how to throw the ball correctly, that dominate games because they can get away with it, and they look like a problem waiting to happen. And the coach sits over there and lets it go on. Why? Because the kid's having success. Now, you can not care, and you can say, I don't really care. I, he's playing and having fun. And do, okay, and that's fine. But please know then, and there's no guarantees on this either, that when the game gets really hard, as the field gets bigger, as the ball starts spinning more, Mm -hmm. as the velocity picks up, and then you get put in those situations to compete, you may not be prepared. Now, you may. You may defy the odds. There's all kinds of guys in the major leagues that you and I will sit there and go, 
Man, his swing looks awful. Or, God, isn't that a little unorthodox? I think Madison Bumgartner does something that every coach I've ever seen said, if I watched a kid do that, I wouldn't even look at him. You can't put that ball behind your body like that, but he does it. Now, how many kids are Madison Bumgartner? There's the problem. Yep. It, the, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a round peg, and you want to fit in a round hole. You need, I, to, you need to find the right person, the right people. And, I, and kind of taking this as a recruiting thing for college recruiting, when I talk to my players, I say, don't go after the brand name. Don't, don't go after the Ole Miss. Don't go after the Miami. Don't go after the Mizzou. Unless it's the right spot, unless it's the coach that you like. And I say, what's, what's wrong with a Missouri Western or a Central Missouri or a, a smaller school? If it's the person that you want to go, you want to go after the coach. That's the guy that you want to go after. If you want to do it for youth baseball, it's the same thing. As a parent, um, really trying to understand it's not about the brand name. It's more about the person behind that name. Well, yeah. And, and again, I, 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 we go back to it doesn't take a ton of effort to research what you're getting into and why you're doing it. But it all starts with what do you want? What do you want? Don't sit here and tell me that you think you have a real chance to play at a high level, but yet you're not interested in hearing from anybody that might be able to help you get there by doing this, this, or this differently than you're doing it now. I've heard that numerous times. Believe that. You can think I'm crazy. I've many people that I respect that have said, I'm not interested. We're good. I got it. I don't need anybody to, to do this and do that. And Okay. No problem. I, whatever it's a little store the, the 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 game's littered with it mm-hmm. right i mean who taught uh tim lentz come to throw i think it was his dad who's yeah. you know who's these guys hitting coats a lot of them it's their you know chris bryant that story's awesome about his dad i had never known that till i read it the other day um you know they're out there and they're doing it but there are a lot of good people in this game like yourself like your program like some of the other programs we're associated with they're there to help try to make sure this doesn't happen and it's something that really bothers me because there's nothing worse than seeing a kid grow up, nothing worse than seeing a kid dominate at a young age, and nobody want to coach him because he's so good. That's my biggest pet peeve. Do you think that's a, they're afraid of messing him up as a coach? Do you think that's the reason behind it? No. Or are you saying um, if it's not broke, don't fix it? Well, I think it's a combination. I think there's guys out there that don't know any better and say, why would you change him? I think there's guys out there that don't want to take a chance with the parents and deal. Listen, you think that was a comfortable conversation for me? I just gotten to know these people fairly, fairly well. And again, that's a tough answer. Well, you know, uh, imagine Drake as an eight year old. Uh, um, is there any particular reason you're changing and that's like, it. That's do not, not do yeah. Not see him hitting the house. And it's like, look, I assure you, I'm not changing like anything dramatically. And more importantly with him at this age, I, I can't change his physical status, which is imposing. And I can't and his and his want and desire at such a young age to attack a baseball, no matter what I did to him, he would still kill it. All I'm doing is is trying to explain to him where he thinks that you swing the bat like, you know, you literally I mean, you literally it's a machine. It's coming in at 45 miles an hour, and he big and imposing. You're going to time it up and pull the ball and cast your hands every time. You can still murder yeah. it, right? And I said, look, very simply, right now you can do that all day long. But coming up, he's going to have to, at the time, the big term was he's going to have to work inside the baseball. He does not do that. 
it won't be hard for him to do because he 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 can do it. I mean, just look at his lower half, look at him, look at his approach, look at his willingness to attack. Something very simple. Well, and it was, and again, and it was, it was something very simple for him to do. Well, big props to the parents on that for Drake's parents to really say, you know what? Yeah, we we trust you. Go ahead. Well, I'm not real sure they trusted me at the time. <laughs> and I take and, and like, let this me guys crazy. No, no, no. And let me let me preface this by saying I take zero zero credit yeah. for the 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 uh, end result. He's been coached by, um, you know, he started with a guy that I that I that I like, Kevin Pitts, who I think, uh, in my opinion, I don't know if he listens or not, but um, when it comes to teaching the bat path, I think he's, he's fun. he is so good. And then uh, Drake progressed to Rick mm-hmm. and kind of ha- has put together what Rick has taught him and what Kevin has taught him and what you've got now as a freshman going to Louisville. So con- kudos to both those guys and the difference that they both made in Drake's mm-hmm. athletic career and his parents for his parents' willingness to say, okay, yes, I know that he sure looks to be the best player on the field right now, but we're going to try to get better. So kudos to them as well. And that's typically what happens if you wind up being that player with that ilk. Now revert, reverse. What happens if Drake doesn't do that? Doesn't go to his hitting instructors and just goes on the same path that um, he was on? Well, I again, I I, I kind of touched on this earlier. You don't know because, I mean, at, is there a magic age when a kid is? I mean, he's imposing for a high school player, even as a freshman. I mean, how many freshmen are six three, two forty, two thirty five, whatever he is? How many? Not very many. So he's physically imposing for a high school player. You know, and I say this all the time, not all, but the majority of high school pitching isn't that great. You know, I mean, you, you might have a one on a team that's tough to hit. You know, it's funny, when we were when, when the conversation would always turn to what he would do at the high school level as a freshman, people would say, people would say, how do you think he'll do? And my answer was always this, well, I think he's going to do well. And they said, really, even high school? And I said, well, here's what I'll tell you. Um... If they face a kid in high school that throws 91 with a nasty slider and a breaking pitch, he's going to struggle. But so is everybody else. Yeah. It's not a it's not a, a thing because he's a freshman or or he's young or I mean or or, or whatever. That has nothing to do with it. They're going to struggle because the guy throws 91 and has a slider and a breaking pitch. But here's what I'll tell you: when the average high school guy is throwing 82 or 83 or even 85 with a decent curveball and a, struggles with control. When they throw that thing over the plate, he's going to turn it around, and when he turns it around, he's going to do a lot of damage with it, and that is what he has done. And again, I take no credit for being right. I take no credit for any playing any role in that whatsoever. But it's an example. And again, there are other Drake Westcotts out there, right? He is not the only one. There are other guys across this great country of ours that are committing earlier and earlier at a younger age that are top-quality players that aren't committing. I mean, I guys waiting till the last minute because for them that's what they want to do it doesn't matter how you do that but my point on this is there's lots of players across this great land of ours that are going about it that way and how they do it and they've taken the time to get better is really what it is at the end of the day and again please please take this with a grain of salt these kids that i'm talking about at a young age what i'm saying is don't sit there and 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 pull the old i wish we were like that because maybe you don't. And that's the process part of this I'm talking about. You're not, you can't be them. You can't make yourself them. So why not, very simply, say, okay, what do I got to do? And that's really what this is all about. Trust the process. Find a good quality place to do it at. Tr- 
trust the process, one that you believe in, one that you've researched, one that your son wants to be a part of. If this is, you know, we have some softball people that listen, if it's your daughter, same thing applies. Trust the process. Get better. You aren't them. Get better at your own rate. But work, nothing will ever replace work and effort. I was that guy that, I was the kid that threw really, really hard at a very young age. I'm, I'm six foot. I was, I was actually pretty small for my age, but I threw really hard. I mean, I was throwing 83 as a freshman. I ended up being that guy that we're talking about where I, I guess you could say I had a little bit of false success um, at a very early age where I was very successful. People would talk, talk hey, have you seen this kid spiker? He throws really, really hard, has a good slider and everything like that. I end up getting caught by um, a plateau bug. I end up just plateauing. I never broke 85 until I got to college. And when we're talking about this is that it's always an ever-growing process and never be with this false, this false success that, is, that could, could go over your kid or over your son or over if it's players that are listening to us. Keep working, keep striving, and really hone in on what Cromer's saying is the process. What works for you? Because, I mean, there's only so many Drake Westcott's. There's only so many Blaze Jordans. And there's only there's so many Bryce Harpers. Well, you know, if you if you look at this thing, I think you had – somebody asked me, Tyler, my older son, is – again, I've, I've mentioned him on the show many times. He is a six foot 6'3", 215-pound pitcher that hasn't, in my opinion, reached his full potential yet. But he really, you know, he hasn't done much. You know, not what you'd expect. Not for a kid that has really done a lot of training. Um, I think he's a little disheartened by how things have went for him and would like to be better. He has worked. But what I will say is this. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, you know, because he's, you know, he, listen, he's going to get the opportunity to play college baseball. He's, he's going to a Division three baseball, uh, a Division three school that has a has a nice little baseball program, Good great for facilities. Good for him. He's going to get a chance to go play baseball and do what he wants to do. Um, w- what I would say is this: people have said, and, and again, this is the misconception too. And everybody knows I did a complete show about the misconception of Division three versus D one junior college, all that kind of stuff. I've said a thousand times: do not discount Division three baseball. No, it's not Division one baseball when it comes to a talent level, but. Uh, we've talked a little bit on the show before about how if you make good grades and you're a good player, there is somewhere for you to play probably because unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, there's a lot of good players out there that don't want to play at the next. They just want to be done. Um, there are kids out there that uh, they have no desire. There are kids out there that don't have the grades. They don't fort. Unfortunately, there are some kids out there that don't have the financial resources to go do it. And there's a variety of reasons why, when you see those numbers of kids that are going to high school, from high school to college that they dwindle dramatically, and they do, but make no mistake about it, if every kid that was a really good player went to, and that's how, if, if you labeled out the top, what, what is the number, 25,000 kids are playing college baseball? Mm. Okay, so if you labeled them in order of talent from 1 to 25,000, I'm not sure my son would play college baseball. But that's not how it works, so let's be realistic about it. There's a lot of kids better than him that either don't want to play, can't afford to go to college, uh, or don't have the resources. Don't have do the it. resources to do like so. People to help them out. And and quite frankly, there's quite a few people that would say, if Division three is the best I can do, I don't want to play. They're they're out there. Make no make no debate about it. Okay. What I will say is this, and this is where I was kind of going full circle with it. What I would say is this. You know, somebody asked me 
if because, and this always drives me crazy, because I had spent money on training and he had spent all his time and energy if I felt like it was, it, it was wasted. And I said, well, let me let you in on a little secret. I will say this. Of all the things that I did for him and allowed him to do that he wanted to do, I don't care if he ever threw one pitch in college. I don't care if he would have quit in high school. What it helped him do off the field, the, I mean, he, he, what he got out of it was a work ethic. What he got out of it was a transformed body because he was a bigger, softer kid. And now he is really into his body and taking care of himself. And he knows how to work out and he knows how to read. His, he, I, I mean, confidence, things along those lines. Success is not guaranteed. It's not even promised. It's not even, it's not even given. I, you can, there, how do I put this? You have to have a conversation sometimes with people that say, listen, no matter what I do, there is no guarantee of success in this game. Zero. I, a lot of times it's dads and moms because moms don't get it. And you got to say, hey, look, she would say, hey, what you going to go work with him? He's 0 for 8. And I'd say, listen, I can go in the cage with him for three hours and he might be 0 for 8. Or I could do nothing and he might be 8 for 8. That's not how it works. It's a process. So what I would say is for his process, it helped him become who he is. And I'm good with that. Did he max out his ability? Or you think he's no, spaced? he's not even remotely close. I mean, he's he's going to be. I think he's a late bloomer. I know our good friend Darren Hendrickson has always thought he was going to be a late bloomer. I think he was the bigger kid. See, here's what I see in in this process. I see kids that are bigger at a young age that dominate. Then I see kids that are bigger and don't dominate. Those are the kids that are bigger have a little bit of ability, but they don't have any, they don't have their body yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see kids that are bigger and don't have their body, but they figure out a way to dominate. Cause a lot of times they're mentally more mature. It's the, every kid's different. And then what you have is you have a kid that is bigger, stronger, mentally bigger and stronger. And he has his athleticism. That's when you get the the quote unquote freaks, and I say freak in a good way. The Mavericks, yeah, the the yeah, the the Bryce Harpers, yeah. the the, the Uni- unicorns, right? That's when you have those guys. See, that's the thing, and not everybody can be them. So why would you spend all your time worried about that? That's my point. Now, go, taking it full circle, what I would say to you or anybody else is this: the one thing you can't replace in this whole thing is along the way, if you worked hard, if you loved it, and you had a great time, well, then what's the problem? The best part about that is when he gets into the workforce, um, corporate life, or even, yeah, even, amen, brother, even entre- amen, even entrepreneurship, he will be able to persevere and play the long run game and really understand. Okay, I'm not developed yet. And, and Chrome, you know, you know me. I'm I'm a guy that um, is helping out an organization, um, the Rollings Tigers, and I'm also um, with Tournament Guy, being an entrepreneur. I understand that it's a long run game. I'm not even hitting my potential yet. I'm still cruising along. I think it's the same thing with with players is that they need to understand it's a long-run game. If you get your school paid for, great. If you get the shot to play professional baseball, awesome. If you play Major League Baseball, get me some tickets. (laughs) Well, seriously, I mean, again, we get back to think about what you really want out of this. It listen. Everybody wants to, to, to. If you're a player and you're a kid, you dream of playing in the big leagues. If you're a parent, you think about, man, my kid might get a, 
this or that or whatever. But, man, let's dial it down a little bit and think about what's real right now. Man, if my kid could learn how to really work, give effort, be a good teammate, be a good kid, enjoy himself, want to do things, what more could you really ask for? There's nothing else. Well, I had a great really. conversation that I've brought up on the show before, and I'll tell the story because we're running out of time here. But um, guy I know, son, was a very good hockey player, and this guy happened to work for the Blues. Um, you know, a financially very stable guy, a great job. You know, he's he's a CFO for the Blues. I mean, you know he's doing well for himself, right? Played for Al McInnes and the great team that they had, and there's players that have come off that team. And um said he's sitting around at the rink one day, and their kids all go to private schools, and they're all really intelligent and things like that. Very smart kids, good hockey players, traveling all over the world playing hockey. Sitting around, the kids are getting older, so naturally the conversation turns to college and what they're going to do. And, you know, this is probably when kids start doing things, like thinking, hey, did you hear so-and-so's did it? Says one of the guys, just no different than him, well off financially, blah, 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 says, well, <laughs> I got to tell you, is, you know, as long as he gets a scholarship, it'll it'll all be worth it. And this, if you know this guy that I know, he, he, you could see him doing it too. He just plainly looks at him and goes, what? <laughs> and he says, you heard me. After all this, he better get a scholarship. He says, why? Well, because don't you think uh, some free schooling is in, is in order here? He says, let me let you in on a little secret here, bud. I'm not quite sure why you've done this all these years, but it's 15000 just to be on this team. Okay? You've been here for five years, six years. We spend another fifteen, I guarantee you, in training and travel because we're flying all over God's green earth because these kids can't play here. They play in Detroit and Canada. and They go all over the world and play hockey. Not to mention the off-season stuff. Da 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 da. So we were probably what into this twenty-five to thirty a year. If it was only about paying for college, you could have put thirty a year in an account, and he could go to any college he wanted. So it better be more about just paying for college. It was a great conversation, and that's well, everything. My question is: I would love to be a fly on that wall. What the guy say? He's like, uh, nothing. He said nothing. What do you say? I think he said, uh, well, you know what I mean. He needs to, he goes, no, I don't know what you mean. Oh. Is it about going to college? He's a good player. He's going to go somewhere. Yeah. And if for some reason he's not good enough or his grades aren't good enough for the college and free, are you kidding me? What about everything we've done for the last five years and all the experiences and the growing up and the mental toughness and the learning how to do this and the da-da-da-da-da? What about that? And that's where I'm at. What about all that? You know, I, I commonly talk about winning and losing on this show and how important and unimportant it is. And I challenge you today to go ask your son if he's older, if he remembers how many games they won when they were 12. They don't. They remember the experiences. My son, and this is, <laughs> talk about getting old, my older son who's a senior just filled out his form for senior night. That's when, man, things start hitting in because senior night's next week. Uh, he left it on the counter. And they asked him what his greatest experience playing baseball to date has been. And it was uh, when we were 12, uh, we went and played at Cooperstown. It's an experience that I think all kids should do. It made me appreciate the game, da-da-da-da-da. And it made me sit there and think, I remember how much work it took to do that. It's an expensive trip. I remember, I, I did, I thought back to that. I thought it was expensive. The first time one of our parents brought it up to us, I remember half of us thinking they were crazy. 
No way. Are you kidding me? $9,500? And we're going to go to New York for a week and in the middle of nowhere? And I remember going there and thinking there's nothing to do here. You think there is, but there's not till you get there. It's in the middle of the mountains. Once you've been to the Hall of Fame one time, as much as I love baseball, you can go there a couple of times and then what? And there's nothing to do there. I remember it all like it was yesterday. I remember the extra fundraisers. I remember the stressful nights of thinking, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Because it's expensive. I remember spending a couple thousand dollars that week because, you know, you got to rent a place and you got to go there. And then there's food. And here it is, you know, what's he? He's 18. So six years later, I assure you it was worth it because that's he put it down himself. That's his greatest memory of playing baseball as a kid. I'd say it was all worth it. What's at what point do you think say it's not worth it? Um, when like you, 30 grand, that's talking well, about hockey. Well, again, I, okay, so let's talk about that real quick before we go. Everybody has limitations. If you don't have financial limitations, then what's the difference? Doesn't We just said earlier, it really doesn't matter what you do. It's how you, it doesn't matter who you do it with as long as you do it with the right people. doesn't matter what you do. matters if you do it with uh, the right, do it for the right reasons with the right people, right? If money's not an object to you, then what's the difference? Yeah. Now, do not be fooled. I'm very sure there's plenty of really good hockey players who couldn't have afforded it. And that is sad, but it's also reality. The baseball is the same way. Are you going to tell me right now that you and I couldn't hop in a car and go to, and this is unfortunate, we couldn't go to some of the towns around us that are a little bit de- de- depressed mm. and not find some unbelievable athletes at 10 that if we couldn't get our hands on them, they wouldn't be great ball players, and they may never even play? It's everywhere. It's not just in this instance. You and I right now could take a drive not 30 minutes from where we're at right now and find Ten eight-year-old kids, and if their parents and we, and if it was free and they could do it, and we could devote the time to it, that could be the best baseball team in the area by the time they're twelve years old. I guarantee it. And they may never even play. We could do it in a town that's not depressed. It's just nine or ten kids that may not even play that are great athletes because they want to do something else because they want to play soccer year-round or they want to play hockey year-round or they want to play basketball year-round. Nothing wrong with that. That's their choice. But that's what you come down to at the end of the day. We can do it right now. You want to? <laughs> I'm done. Hey, I'm retired to some degree. No, but, you know, I think you know where I'm going with this. I think, you know, it's about the process. It's about the journey. It's about what you get out of it. It's not always about the final result in the end game. Um, it just sometimes doesn't work out for people. What I've, what my purpose and my part of this discussion of this was today was don't let that end game seem out of reach to you because you ignored the reality of what was really going on. And that was, you know, it's real easy to sit back and puff your chest out and say, yeah, that's my son out on the mound and, and a coach to sit back and go, yeah, we got him. We're just going to throw him out there and da, 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 and never pay any attention to what he's really doing. I'm just telling you, don't put your head in the sand because I can assure you not always, but sometimes by high school, it's too late. Yep. Agreed. Good stuff, my man. It's always a pleasure. I love doing these shows with you. Yep. It's always nice to be able to bounce stuff off people. It's great. Hope you're enjoying them as well. Um, my guess is we've done this little three-week series here where we've it's kind of like been intimate settings with Jim and Spiker. Um, 
uh, you know, I, I would say that, you know, the next time you'll probably start hearing from some of our guests again, I'm telling you, I'm going to pin Chris Verna down because I, I, I'm dying to hear, uh, what they came up with on the rope trainer when they had the scientific study done on it. Supposedly it's amazing stuff. Uh, my goal is to have that done by next time. By next time, um, it sounds like uh, Dirtbag Nation has partnered up with the Rope Trainer, and we're going to start getting the tip of the week from the Rope Trainer in. Um, some new partners on board. I'm hoping by the next show, some great things that are that are talking about adding on. And um, you know, just in general, just continuing the process of trying to provide you guys with great information. But uh, but I encourage you make sure you check out theropetrainer.com. Uh, just Google John Smoltz and Rope Trainer, and I guarantee you're going to find some great stuff. You're going to find some great video, some great comments from a guy that has really taken taken the ball, so to speak, and run with it. Yeah. And and again, Chris Verna is uh, one of the best physical trainers in the world. Um, and, and of course, Earl Perrin, whose heart is in the right place, and he knows he has something here that can make a difference. So make sure you support the RopeTrainer.com, as they're the ones supporting us. Um, other guys that are heavily involved in the show that we could not do without is our good friend uh, Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv out of Chicago, um, one of the best programs in the in the world. Uh, I saw something the other day there in 99 countries, uh, making a difference with kids in baseball, and uh, and I applaud them for that. No way. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's amazing. Have info will travel. You said it. It's a golden age of content, and and people are finding EliteBaseball.tv all over. It's a tool that you'll want to use. It's, it's very inexpensive. Uh, it's the gift that keeps giving, I assure you that. Let's go on over to those guys now for their EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here from EliteBaseball.tv with the tip of the week. And although we're not going to change mechanics a great deal from week one of the season through week four, one problem area that causes players to not have the success they're looking for in the batter's box is really their tempo. And this is something that we can make an immediate change with. The speed in which the athlete is in his load stride process. This is one of the major causes of mechanics to break down and it really has nothing to do with practicing the mechanical aspect of the swing. So here is one way that we can give you instant, immediate success at a greater level by just conquering this one very small and easily fixable area in your swing. Tempo means we want to be in a slow, controlled process during the load stride. And we have to be on time with when this starts. Most players go too fast because they simply start too late. And you've heard us mention on this podcast before that we want the player's center of gravity, essentially the pelvis, to gain ground on the pitcher's release. The longer a period of time that it takes the athlete to load energy, the more potential we really have for built up or stored energy to get into the baseball. So we want to start early and start in a controlled manner. Now the other benefits from this outside of just sheer power is players are under better body control when they are slowly advancing their body into their foot down as well as seeing the baseball better. So it's important that we get them started on time, but then get them to understand that we're not working from a fast load stride process into a fast swing. Quantifying this with your athletes helps them understand it. If we ask an athlete on a one to 10 scale what speed in which they want to swing, they're gonna tell you a nine or a 10. So then ask them what speed are we gonna stride to achieve that, and we wanna get that answer down to a three or four or five. So they understand it's a slow buildup and harnessing of energy that leads into a very explosive fast movement. So I compare this to a car that's starting to roll down a hill. As we slowly start to roll down the hill it's going to pick up speed as it goes until we get into full speed. 
The slow buildup of energy allows us to be explosive in the final end product of the movement. So we do drills with this where we try to get players to go through the load stride process as slow as possible, exaggerating this. And you can incorporate that into just about any T-swing or even front toss drill that you want to do. But at the foot down position, that's when it changed gears and we get very explosive. So think of it, my load stride process is gear one. We're skipping gears two and three altogether and shifting right into fourth gear when we get into foot down. And this controlled, slow gathering of energy is going to allow players to be more explosive, get more power into the ball, be under better body control for late adjustments in the swing, which usually means a pitch away, something we got to wait on, or down the road, an off-speed pitch. And finally, we're going to get better eyesight of the ball with better body control because we're moving slower. So this is something I want you guys to think about and incorporate into your daily work. It doesn't have to be, I need to change or fix my swing from the mechanical standpoint this time of year. But something that will help you immediately is slow your body down in the load stride process. And now you're going to see an immediate result from that. For tips like this, come see us at EliteBaseball.tv. And until next week, this is Justin Stone, and I'll see you on the field. Good stuff as always, my man. Really appreciate it. And uh, your contributions uh, are always appreciated here at Youth Baseball Talk. Make sure you check them out, EliteBaseball.tv. Let's go on over to our man Rick Strickland with his uh, Ask Rick segment. I encourage you to, to check out Rick Strickland baseball uh he does some facebook live stuff where he gives some lessons and kind of piques your interest a little bit and he's doing some next level stuff that you may say huh i had no idea so i always enjoy those things when he does that uh it makes me a little nervous when he does them with my kid and <laughs> everybody's watching uh, his show on there but uh i always love it and find it interesting and again kind of going to our thing today just an example of the kind of guy that I think if you researched him a little bit, you'd realize there's a lot of great people out there helping a lot of kids. So let's go on over now for the Blast Motion St. Louis Pirates Nation Ask Rick segment. Take it away, bud. Good morning, Jim. Thanks again for having me on the show. And as usual, I'm really excited about being able to come on and answer questions from the audience out there. They ask some wonderful questions, and I'm always looking forward to being able to answer those questions. And this week's question was about burnout. Uh, the specific question was looking for some advice to make sure my kids don't get burnout. Uh, I guess I assume just probably sports or baseball in general. Um, I get that question a lot over the years as I've coached. I've heard that question a lot. I've heard that statement a lot about kids getting burnt, burnt out uh, on the sport. I think there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, one of coach the obvious is you know, playing a lot of games every day, not giving the kid an opportunity to uh, to be a kid and explore many different opportunities and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, I look at it two ways. You know, a lot of times when you look at burnout, it's not necessarily um, um, a kid on an island by himself. It's usually, you know, the kind of kid in the family. The family enjoys uh, the kid playing uh, it could be a situation where a parent is involved in the coaching aspect of it. Um, and I, I would imagine that different different kids have different levels of burnout. I've seen kids over the years that all they want to do is to play the given sport that they're in, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, whatever it is like that. They just enjoy the, the moment. I don't think myself as a player growing up I could ever get enough baseball. Fortunately for, for uh, myself, I didn't get to experience that because of where I live. I live in the north in Chicago. So, you know, you had to move on to different things and experience different things just because, you know, of the environment that you lived in. So um, 
from that perspective, uh, it's not like today in, in St. Louis where a kid can start playing baseball in, in March, in some instances February, and play all the way through the end of the summer basically every weekend without getting weekends off. So that's that's what the level of burnout is. And then now you have winter training and off-season practices that kind of cut into time uh, in other sports and development sports. And my advice to people on this thing like that is let your child – uh, experience what he wants to experience as far as athletic, athletics are concerned. Uh, you can't say that there is a script that should be followed for all kids. Uh, and the reason why that is some kids do want to play 70, 80, 90, 100 games. They love it. Some kids only want to play 12, 14, 15, 16 games. Uh, I have a kid that, you know, says he's going to give up baseball, my own kid, because it's too hot outside. So uh, we'll have to work on that. But uh, but that just different levels of different types of uh, of kids out there will determine whether or not you can you can go from there. But I would encourage my kids to experience other different sports, maybe soccer, baseball, basketball, football. Just let them ex- explore. In our program, you know, we do get you know can classify ourselves as a year-round program. But what we do is we offer people the flexibility to come in and schedule their training sessions around their other seasons. So we do want those kids to go out and play basketball and to play uh, the other sports and things like that because I also think a different perspective, a different type of training is very, very good for the kids, different type of social environment, different types of players, uh, different people when we talk about players that they're uh, accustomed to. In baseball, is such a late-developing sport, you really don't know until – you know, kids are 15, 16 years old, you know, uh, it's just hard to predict with a certain level of accuracy, you know, who's going to be your players and things of that nature. So we want these kids early on to experience as much as they can, uh, but definitely, you know, have a, uh, a passion about playing the sport, but not to the point that pushes them over the edge. So, uh, edge. so Jen, I had, uh, hope I answered that question. Uh, and I look forward to coming the coming questions in the future. Check out our new website, trainwithrsb.com. Uh, we're offering the five free video series on a variety of topics that we talk about. Uh, you know, so we even post some of the blog stuff that uh, put this podcast stuff in blog format for people so they can go out and look at some of the other stuff that we've done on the show here. So, as usual, Jim, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on the show. Look forward to next week's questions. Thanks, and talk to you guys soon. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Love it, love it, love it. Um, again, uh, do yourself a favor, hop on the computer, uh, get off Facebook and do some Googling and find some information that just might make a difference in you and your son or daughter's life. So I uh, really appreciate it. Spiker, good stuff, man. Love it. You know, um, one last thought on this whole thing. Um, I don't know that I've ever given any, any uh, and again, I always, it. how do I put this? I've had a lot of people ask my opinion and tell me that, you know, they respect my opinion, so they want to do something. I take that seriously only because I know they're making a decision on what to do with their son or daughter. And that's why I'm probably so passionate about the fact of make sure that no matter what happens, that you are happy with the way it went. Because there's nothing guaranteed in this game. And I cannot get away from that. You're going to spend, if you're going to do this thing, Chances are you're going to have some rough nights with your son or daughter. You're going to have some rough nights with yourself. Probably going to have some long nights stressed and worried for your daughter or son. Um, you better be 
comfortable in your setting or it will make it worse because nobody wants to see their child struggle. Nobody wants their child to fail. Nobody wants them to uh, do wrong. Okay, when a kid does something wrong, I mean, people take it of people take it personally. If you're a parent, I don't know why. I mean, they're young; they're supposed to screw up. And where I'm going with this is, and Spiker, I, that's why I really applaud what you do. You you make a difference in a kid's life that I don't even know that you understand. Because I want you guys to all think about this out there, and this is why I'm so adamant about pay attention to where you put them. Your dad, your mom, you are tasked with being dad or mom and if you're a really good dad or mom you have found a way which hey i i I struggle with okay i'm not i'm not talking down anybody separating being their friend and their parent a baseball coach a basketball coach a hockey coach they don't understand sometimes the difference and the effect they have on a kid and spiker a guy like you has that effect on hundreds of kids and i know you and i've seen the way you operate and you take it very seriously and that was that would be why you're the kind of guy that I'm talking about, and I and I'm I don't care that you're sitting here. You're exactly <laughs> who I'm talking about. Well, no, I'm serious. Sometimes I, I wait until somebody's not here to say things like this, like oh my, like I joke around on the blue show that I do. I, I don't like to talk good about Jamie Rivers when Jamie's there because it makes me uncomfortable. But the reality is I don't have any problem saying this because I've seen you and I, and I can comfortably say this. You're the kind of guy that people should want their kid around. Does that mean they're going to make it to the big leagues or get a college scholarship? No, it doesn't. And that's really, at the end of the day, what I've been trying to say this whole episode. But I will tell you this. If your son or daughter had the opportunity to be around Spiker Helms for an elongated amount of time, be trained by them both mentally and physically, your son would be better off for it. Now, it may not be in something that you can, can, you can put your hands on, but I guarantee you it's something that they'll have with them forever. And that's why I appreciate you. I remember when I played, I went on my first travel team. Um, we went eight weeks, traveled all across the United States. I remember I went to Memphis, Louisiana, back to Joplin, all the way up to Iowa and Chicago. Anyways, that year alone has paid dividends to me all the way up to this point. I still think back to that year, and it wasn't my most successful year. It was the one that I had the most trouble with. Mentally, physically, it really got me into check and humbled me. And when, I, when I'm going down this business route, which I'm on right now, um, I think back to that moment and say, that's what I need to focus on. Stay humble, keep pushing forward. And I think that's the biggest thing out of this whole, this whole thing that we're doing with baseball is that it's preparing the kid for the next part of their life. Quick question before we go. And, 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 you know, you could, this could be biased, I guess. Maybe it is. I don't know. Is baseball the most humbling game? Oh, my gosh. Yes. You think so? Yeah. I, play, I played them all. Baseball by far. I remember there was one day, SIU, uh, Carbondale, I was talking to their head coach, and they struck me out. Oh, God, I have to look back at the stats. But they struck me out like 14 times or something. I was batting 400. I was, I was national player. I was on the weekly lineup for the national player of the week. I was on that lineup. We go into SIU Carbondale, and they shut me down completely. I think I, I think career, I'm batting like 100 against them. And we were <laughs> laughing about it. I went home every single day during that that series, and I was like, I, I don't want to go back to the stadium. I, I just don't want to go back. And I had to step in that box and try to figure out how to get it done. 
you know, sports, the way they, they cross over, the, the reason that all sports cross over is because of the mental side to the game. Uh, I mentioned the blue show that I do, and I did a show one week, and one of the guys that I do the show with, they're both former blues. One of them is Jamie Rivers, played defense for the St. Louis Blues. The other one was, a, and, and everybody loves these guys, he's a former enforcer, Darren Kimball. And to hear him talk about the time that he cried to his parents at 16 and wanted to go home is really humbling. To think about the career the guy had and what he got to do and how he was almost ready to give it all up. And the reason I say that is I only use him as an example because it was a very powerful story to hear from him. And it's the only one of a guy that I personally know. Now, as I've gotten to know more and more people, if I really wanted to get into that, I'm sure it's littered with that. But the reality of it is baseball, football, soccer, it's littered with that. If you were to talk to tons of guys that are there at one time or another, the game is so damn hard that I guarantee you they've almost given up probably more than once. Uh, the most legendary one that's very public, wasn't that Mickey Mantle? Was ready to go home? Yep. He, uh, and his he was, dad come up here and said, what are you doing? Yeah, he was about to go home. He was with the New York Yankees. His dad came up, and then he ended up uh, saying, I want to go home. And he said, no. And he ended up going back to Kansas City. Kansas City was the minor league affiliate at the time. Yep. Goes back to Kansas City, gets his story straight, goes back up to New York, and then ends up going on a tear. Yeah. I mean. And then becomes a legend. You know, don't be fooled, though. What ha- now, here's the thing. What happens if his dad, well, his dad agrees with him and says, you know what? Yeah, let's go home. Well, you can go into the mines. You can go into the mines and mine the rest of your life. Well, how about this? No Mickey Mantle. Well, I guarantee you the stories you're never going to hear are those exact ones. The kids that gave up will never know. You know, it's funny. I joke about this, but. And that, hold on, hold on, Chrome. That's why parenting is so important. Sure. If they, if they just agree with the kid and say, yeah, we're done. Yeah. You got to take, you, you got to be the adult and the parent in the situation. And you know what? It's great to hear you say that because at the end of the day, I think our message from this episode is when you're the coach, you got to be the coach. Yeah. So if you see something, you've got to deal with it, whether you want to or not. And that's really kind of what I was saying. So that's a great point by you. But, you know, you can think about this, the game littered with these stories. There, There's a ton of these stories that you've never heard of a kid giving up that you'll never know how good he would be or wouldn't be. He just couldn't, you know, handle it. And that's what we talk about. That's why nothing's guaranteed here. So make sure you do it for the right reasons. That way, in the end, you're not looking at this thinking. The last thing you want to do, whether you're 12, 16, 20, is look back and go, oh, that was a waste of time. <laughs> I know this. I don't. Yeah. And I know neither does my son, as evidenced by something that I happened to catch that he did on his own. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the show today. Again, um, uh, we're just trying to pique a little interest here. Make sure you check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. Facebook as well, Youth Baseball Talk. And thanks again to lineupmedia.fm. For my co-host, Spiker Helms, this is Jim Cromer. We are Youth Baseball Talk. Thanks again to theropetrainer.com. We will see you all next week. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.